Greetings. This is Bashiri, and you're now listening to the Love, Peace, and Confrontation podcast. Black man, I love you. Black woman, I love you. Black babies, I love you. What will we tell our sons? Let's get out here and be the light. Let's be the solution. Let's understand that we are the guys that we seek. All religions be damned. If it doesn't serve you, you shouldn't serve it. Let's go ahead and capitalize on the inexhaustible energetic ingenuity that is resonant within the melaninated mind and overall black experience. What's good, black man? What's good, black woman? What's good, black babies? Definitely uh, greet you in love, peace, and confrontation. Here we are um, in our seventh episode and the fourth installation of a series that is exploring the dynamics of why the civil rights movement was a failure. And um, in this fourth installment, we're really going to have to get into uh, an overarching theme that is summed up by the following phrase, and that is, there is no destiny in denial. There is no destiny in denial. I've said it before, probably on another platform in another space. And um, as it pertains to the, the civil rights overall, uh, what I've observed uh, via historical analysis and what I have been able to um, extract thereby is that um, integral and intrinsic to the um, paradigm and overall consciousness um, of the civil rights movement that it was very much steeped in uh, a denial paradigm. It, it divorced from reality and sort of decidedly naive um, in profound ways and in ways um, that would inevitably uh, leave it functionally bereft of a healthy self-concept, a definitely a um, rewarding self-interest um, informed by, again, historical um, precedent and antecedents uh, that if entreated with um, the caliber of consciousness uh, that would have kept that endeavor informed by socio-historical, political, um, psychopolitical, and psychodynamic uh, characteristics um, and qualities of the unique experience of being black in America had that been maintained 
um, we would have been better served and better suited as a group to maneuver in ways that would have served our interest, that would have instigated the cultivation of power, the cultivation of um, of intellect, right? Uh, intellect that would have been rightly aligned with um, the information presented as a result of many of the outcomes that were part and parcel to being the victims of oppression and white supremacy within the American enterprise. Now, I know that's a mouthful, but it's like we really, we really have to be intentional um, with how we um, dissect and how we deconstruct and how we investigate matters that pertain to the development of economic liberation for black people. Okay. Um, these things that I'm speaking of, economic liberation, um, equity, uh, when I speak to uh, the need for us to be self-reliant, for us to develop a sense of agency and volitional capacity that will inform how we chart uh, the course of our destiny with respect to uh, our overall development of power that that endeavor and those transcendent goals are not happening in a vacuum and these are not just abstract ideals um, that are divorced from or disembodied from an incarnational reality that has been informed by politics that has been informed by uh, social engineering, right? That is divorced from tangible ways in which groups interact and engage with respect to one another, okay? There is a code, there is a paradigm, there is a system, there is an understanding there is um, an entire uh, codification, right, of behavior that we're speaking to. Okay, again, when I when I speak to um, a body of laws um, and codes that uh, were uh, instituted to reflect the uh, power differentials in social dynamics between what we understand as politically white and politically black um, and how those terms, whiteness, and blackness uh, are inextricably assigned and joined 
to a group of people uh, with the intention to establish a complementary dynamic where one group is going to be the dominant and one group is going to be the dominated. It's just so interesting that, you know, I have, I have, again, lots of intriguing conversations with members of my community. I'm always trying to check the pulse and to really understand the consciousness that are uh, pervasive within our community. And um, there are so many of us who, again, walk in <laughs> lock and step with this broken and pathological mentality of denial. And we think that we can divorce ourselves from reality and come up with the caliber of results that are going to be beneficial, that are going to be meaningful, that are going to be transformational and we live again and I, you know I said it before and I said it again we live in these fanciful fantastic dream spaces um, with our head in the clouds um, completely ignoring in concrete terms how detrimental and how deadly that caliber of consciousness has been and will continue to be. So I'm speaking with, you know, different ones about what I just articulated by way of denial and refusing to assert and to understand um, with a modicum of maturity what it is that we have to contend with as a group um, the the continued uh, neophyte insistence that we are not in competition and um, everybody who is part and parcel of the human race are our friends. We have no need to worry about developing a competitive apparatus by which we can navigate the spaces of economic competition uh, based in um, ethnicity and loyalty and identification with a group and because we've decided to um, to endear ourselves and to align ourselves with a nondescript general abstract consciousness that says oh only one race <laughs> the only race is the human race and you know, all of these uh, very flowery articulations of flights into fancy that 
functionally leave us vulnerable to the calculated and regimented um, planning and organization of other groups who feed us that sort of um, rhetorical um, uh, psychic um, <laughs> placebo is what it is. I mean, it's really sugary and, and, and like I said, very um, uh, flowery, non-confrontational. Uh, kind of thinking that serves as a functional benefit for those who are able to disseminate the like within the targeted population. What am I speaking about? How does this all in any way inform the failure of the civil rights movement? Well, ladies and gentlemen, again, it, it puts into concrete terms the context in which the civil rights movement was born and developed and oriented and shaped and formed um, and it helps us now in hindsight, right, to develop the analytical facility um, with a precision that I hope uh, would inform our current behaviors to resist in the context of oppression uh, in formidable and effective ways that's why I do what I do on this podcast that's why I'm even in treating this subject matter with respect to uh, the civil rights movement and how it has not served our interests as a collective and as a group um, I was having a very um, impassioned conversation with uh, an individual that I hold in high regard and I was trying to explain it or at least articulate um, that we are a group by default. And one of the points that um, this person was trying to drive home was due to the fact that we are disorganized and we don't necessarily have... Um, a code of conduct or cultural mores um, that unify us. And because we are not a monolith then, um, because we are disjointed, we could not, um, in a real sense or in a meaningful way or uh, with any modicum of consequence, refer to ourselves as a group. And so I kind of, of course, I, I disagreed. Um, 
um, to the degree that, albeit that we are arguably disjointed and um, divided, and I understand that we are disorganized, and of course we're not a monolith, but um, there are various perspectives and specificities that are part and parcel to um, our collective experience as black people in a political sense here in America. Um, nevertheless, we are a group um, by default. I'm, uh, and, and, you know, again, I am um, recalling um, the uh, analysis again of the late, great Dr. Amos Wilson, <clears throat> who I am in constant conversation with via uh, either his, his writings or what he has left to us um, in media form. Um, and, you know, uh, lectures and, and the like. And so, and, and, and I remember him uh, just saying that almost in a de facto sense um, with respect to how other groups respond to us on the basis of um, prescriptive terms um, that signify social cues and what would be socially apropos as it pertains to treatment of black people in America uh, in that sense, in that, again, complementarian uh, fashion. Um, we find ourselves outcasts collectively and ergo a group albeit again we are disjointed and disorganized and in a lot of real ways in many cases refuse to recognize ourselves as such and I think a, a, a major feature of the denial in that sense, is because we don't want to align ourselves with having been victimized, um, with having been um, disenfranchised, taken advantage of, and the um, the permanent um, pariah in a um, socioeconomic caste system that has been uh, informed by um, color codes, designations, and dynamics. And so in that sense, you know, other conversations, a lot of people don't want to identify as black. You can get into all of these... Um, you know, philosophical and ideological debates that pertain to uh, the denial of such a political designation. And, you know, if we 
affirm that that's who we are, then we, in, in a certain sense, we we uh, concur with those who, again, dominate the domain of discourse that, oh yeah, we are indeed this um, socially engineered class of people who are uh, exclusively designated to be at the bottom and to be the most uh, victimized and pathologized group and oh we don't ever want to do that so what we do is we even deny those terms um, and on one hand while I recognize um, I recognize the logic behind um, such an attempt. Um, the only thing is, in 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 concrete terms, and um, sensibilities that would be grounded and rooted in reality. That kind of logic is tantamount to closing your eyes and believing that you disappeared <laughs> because in your personal um, visual experience <laughs> as it pertains to um, that particular state of affairs is that, hey, just because I can't see myself, other people um, likewise uh, are unable to see me as well and wow if that is not the height of denial if that is not the height of desperation if um, with all due respect if, if that is not the height of a a suicidal idiocy, you know? So, um, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of the civil rights movement with respect to all the things that I've just articulated again. Um, of course, um, we're, we're living um, under the paradigm and under the auspices of racism, um, white supremacy, hegemony, um, institutional uh, inequities and uh, systemic um, uh, inequities. And of course, we're, we're talking about racism. Um, we, uh, we're divorced it from its um, emotional preoccupations, right? And, and orientations that we understand that it is an economic enterprise uh, with the interest of procuring vital life resources over and against the development of the capacity and or capability of the targeted population um, to do the same uh, under the auspices of competition informed by a paradigm of scarcity. And so when we look at racism uh, in terms of its economic efficacy, we see um, that it must be maintained by the dominant society 
in order for them to um, have their competitive edge um, sustained, right? And it's so important that we understand that competitive dynamic that we are actually in a competition for the procurement of vital life resources uh, in order to secure um, our very biological destinies. And it is, again, a struggle um, between life and death. And if we continue to persist in the denial of that reality, well then uh, we would have aided and embedded in our own annihilation uh, via willful ignorance and naivete. So now I'm 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 thinking of the Montgomery bus boycott, and I had to go through all of that again just to reiterate again. Um, the psychosis and psychopathology of a traumatic uh, experience of blackness here in America in a political sense in a socio-historical and economic and um, uh, again psychodynamic sense uh, with respect to the seedbed and historical antecedents and circumstances that gave rise to the development of the failed civil rights movement. Okay, it's important again that we be um, uh, focused in exercise an acute analysis of movements that have situated themselves to be for our good with respect to our liberation. And we have to be able to um, critique and we have to be able to um, um, to exercise discernment and to exercise sobriety when we are critiquing so that we don't pedestalize and make heroes out of people who have made attempts but who did not deliver desired results and according outcomes. And I'm seeing that as a major trend in our community where we are these uh, consolation prize <laughs> caliber of people oh, where we, we just, you know, we, we like the participation position. Yay! You know, we like to cheer these people because, hey, they're letting us participate. And we sat at the table and we got out there and... <laughs> you know what I mean? Rather than, again, developing the necessary um, ferocious 
and ferocity uh, uh, orient, you know what I mean, that that would allow us to compete, to win, that doesn't conflate participation with um, appropriation or power or having accomplished the goal, man, like, I don't know, man. I, I like again dealing with these symbols of power and misunderstanding um, and equating symbols and appeals to some kind of um, uh, placebo esque. Um, pandering to the uh, collective hurt ego and insulted psyche of the same where we're celebrating and we're dancing in the streets for things that mean absolutely nothing um, that maintain the status quo that again deal with the uh, cosmetology of camaraderie that says we don't have any enemies all we have are friends and we're all holding hands and singing songs and <laughs> you know and just skipping and rainbows and sunsets and yeah not a care in the world you know whole time um, being murdered carte blanche in the street um, no punitive consequences no retribution no justice um, but at peace <laughs> so the monk, the Montgomery bus boycott and I'm just gonna do a hard pivot here, I guess. And so, um, a prominent feature of the civil rights movement and um, a clear cut demonstration of, um, of what an informed uh, organization of our behaviors, of our tastes, and of our desires um, and its impact upon um, the power relations that exist or have existed and continue to exist between uh, the political designations of white people and black people. And so we know the story and we know the heroes and we know about Rosa Parks and we know about uh, wanting to um, ride on the front of white buses and I recall <laughs> I interview with Dr. Claude Anderson and uh, he was on I think it was the Breakfast Club and, 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 and he was saying that you know how it really was a act of futility and a sabotage to the collective black interest in the economic sense because uh, yet again because uh, due to being emotionally aroused and buying into 
uh, malignant values, right, and um, that undermine, again, um, self-love and self-acceptance. We didn't feel uh, that we were human or that we had intrinsic worth and all value if we were not able to be in air quotes white spaces to ride where they ride to eat where they eat to sleep where they sleep to be educated where they are educated so that whole enterprise of integration and um and while it was I guess um effective in the sense that it illustrated that we could actually change our relations to the dominant society if we change how we relate to one another in our group how we again discipline our tastes and orient our desires um, and bring them in line with a transcendent goal that would make for our economic wholeness and stability um, that is within our purview and uh, our possibility to do so. And we can effectively change the social dynamics when we change our internal and intra-group dynamics per our consciousness and how we are going to behave. Um, and so that was, that was definitely a win, but it was a misguided application of that power and that agency and that ages. Um, because the end point of all of that was to ride on <clears throat> white owned buses and I remember um, Dr. Claude Anderson and even Charlemagne the God speaking to the futility of that aim to ride in white owned buses when there were black owned bus lines who effectively were made defunct when our group decided that they would no longer um, be patrons um, of of those um, <clears throat> economic institutions and enterprises. So, so bus lines go defunct, and black-owned businesses. Um, that were a direct um, byproduct of <clears throat> being segregated, um, a direct byproduct of being separated, being insulated, uh, being rejected. And so um, the fruit in that sense of that rejection was, well, we had to be by necessity um, self-reliant, industrious, um, we had to, um, capitalize off of our own, 
uh, native ingenuity in that sense because we weren't welcome in the spaces, the market spaces of the dominant society. You know, I was having that conversation with an individual and they were saying, oh, we weren't really self-reliant. We still had to depend on white money and this, it was still American currency and et cetera. And I'm like, okay, uh, those are uh, <laughs> social semantics, I would say. You know, to go, I, I, okay, yeah, I get it. Of course, yeah, we're still here in America. Yeah, no doubt. But I'm getting more so at the consciousness of self-reliance of course we're social beings nobody is uh, uh, necessarily an island to themselves it's it's impossible okay we to be a human is to be a social organism by nature okay Um, and there is no escape of that existential reality that's a given what I was more speaking to uh, when I use the term self-reliance and independence, um, is not that we somehow obliterate um, existential dynamics. You know what I mean? Again, I've said in another podcast that even the individual uh, himself or herself is um, is just an iteration of uh, a community, so to speak, of one. That is comprised um, um, by the biological input of a mother and a father. Okay, so these are all these technical dynamics here and these terms that I guess sometimes we do have to painstakingly spell out um, if we want to be precise um, with our methods and our application and our employment of, again, a revolutionary consciousness that would equip us to resist well, but while I'm speaking to um, this uh, individual, uh, you know, I guess we're splitting hairs at that point. And, um, oh, we're always going to need them. And I'm like, no, 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 no. That's the wrong phrasing. That's the wrong way to frame. It's, it's not from a posture of needing. Um more so it is uh, for me as I see it uh, developing the the kind of vocabulary that would be empowering okay so it's not like no 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 it's not like we need them in the sense that we can't function without them and etc no it's just that um, these are <clears throat> um, features in humanistic endeavors we are social animals okay and so that's built in you know what i mean that's not necessarily saying um that uh, we are bereft of in in a qualitative sense or in need of um Uh, their cosign, their backing, or to be authorized by. Okay, there's a way to speak about group dynamics and social engagement that doesn't um, 
that doesn't instigate a state of mind and or being uh, where dependence is a hallmark. We can still interact and engage and trade and have all kinds of um, exchanges in a political and economic sense. Yeah, you can do all of that. But we can do it with a consciousness and a sensibility that we are self-determined and we're doing things with a consciousness and we are behaving in ways that's directed by a paradigm of uh, self-assertion. And I think that's what I'm, I'm more so getting at. That we can't assert ourselves as capable. We can assert ourselves as valuable. We can assert ourselves as having um, the competence to resolve, to mitigate, and to um, ameliorate problems that are specific to us and our experience here. Um, having been um, an exploited group of people and not running from our uh, historical experiences or playing them down or, or saying, oh, everybody suffers and, you know, humans, I'm like, you know, we don't have to do that. You know what I mean? We don't have to get into the abstraction game and we don't have to get into... Um, trivializing our trauma um, because we think that um, we become further damaged and or stigmatized because we're focusing on things that have happened to us. But there is no destiny in denial. There is no destiny in denial. There is no destiny in denial. And so with respect to the civil rights movement and to bring it all together in the context of everything that I've just articulated, the civil rights movement in fundamental ways was dealing from a denial paradigm that Number one, these white people are righteous and can be appealed to on a moral level um, that once we get them to see that we're human too, uh, we can be brothers to them. It's like, man, like you have to wake up. <laughs> you have to wake up. At, 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 at what point do we deal in terms of reality, you know what I'm saying, and in terms um, that reflect that we have entreated and that we have investigated and we have, through analysis, concluded 
that that paradigm or that philosophy is ineffective and dangerous. So that then, in the name of survival, we can adopt a mindset that says, while we would like things to be civil and we would like things to be uh, more amicably expressed as it pertains to our position here in America. How we would like things and how things really are are two different things. And so from that perspective, we govern ourselves accordingly and we allow our behaviors and our plans to be informed thereby. Firmly rooted in the world as it is, not dealing in dreams, not dealing in denial, not dealing in how we would like things to be. Um, some heavy things here, man, and, and uh, the implications here are heavy and relevant and still resonate today. We can't afford to be in denial. We can't. We can't afford to um, believe that the liberal iteration of white supremacy with all its kindness and promises and programs and uh, urban revitalization initiatives and you know, nonprofits, we're going to come into these urban communities and, you know, we're going to create this, that, and a third without the clear understanding that there is a self-interested motivation for all of those endeavors to maintain the status quo under the guise of help. A help that ultimately harms, at the end of the day, a help that ultimately maintains the uh, socio-political and economic inequities that have continued to persist since the inception of the American endeavor. We have to not be children here in this space, man. You know, we have to really grow up and understand the world as it is. Or... We're going to die moving with respect to our perception of the world as we would like it to be. <laughs> and I got I to gotta close here. I got to close. I don't want to weary your patience any longer than I have. Um... But these are important conversations, man, and we really have to 
ensure that our thinking and that our being and our behaving are commensurate with our goals to acquire power for our very biological survival. It's not just about parsing out the problem. It's always about bringing light to those in your community who are doing an incredible work here locally. Hampton Roads, Hampton Roads Regional, Black Chamber of Commerce, Black Brand, Black Brand.biz. If you're industrious, endeavor to be industrious, entrepreneur, endeavor to be entrepreneur, you need to link yourself with the network and the nexus of powerful, like-minded individuals who have your overall economic well-being at heart. Black Brand.biz, Black Brand, 150-year economic plan in the making exclusively for black people. I'm signing off in love, peace, and confrontation. Um, please understand that we're going to be making mountain moves one grain at a time. Do something revolutionary today. Do something that's going to make the future proud. Um, please don't be a fraud. Um, please capitalize and fully incarnate on the inexhaustible energetic ingenuity that's resonant within the black mind and overall melaninated experience black man i love you black woman i love you black babies i love you what will we tell our sons let's get out here and be the light um and until next time everybody be safe love peace and confrontation take care